0: Welcome listeners, another episode of Unverified Accounts for you. I'm your host, Chris, here with Liza and Philip. Hello, hello. Hi. Very special announcement. We are now going to move to escape from Plan A. I mean, we are Plan A people anyway, and this started kind of as like a side project. Uh, but now we are going to fully uh, meld uh, uh, with with Plan A and form, form a dark archon of, of podcasts. And well, one of the reasons we're going to do this is uh, just uh, a lot of us, like we do both podcasts, we do a live stream now. It's a lot of work. So um, this will allow us to kind of uh, consolidate some of that more. So, uh, you know, some of the Escape from Planning episodes will now be replaced by Unverified Accounts episodes, which we will become like a think of it as like a book movie show club in which. We will try to announce ahead of time, hey, you know, this episode, we're going to do the White Tiger or we're going to do um, something like that. Uh, And then because it takes time to read or watch those things, it'll give us and you, the audience, a chance to do it beforehand. So, you know, you can kind of follow the episode better. But I'm really excited. What about you guys? Yeah, I'm I'm excited.
1: I'm excited for that, too. And I also think that, you know, we're going to end up doing, you know, when it's topical, just regular you know, unverified ap- episodes as well, just on the Escape from Plan A feed, right? Just talking about whatever stuff, whatever movie just came out, whatever relevant, you know, Twitter battle just happened. So that that's going to happen. That's, that's still going to be on the table, but it'll, it'll let us do this kind of book club format, which we wanted to do on this pod, but it's difficult to do when you're putting out week after week, right? Yeah. I programs. mean,
0: I guess if we were professionals uh, and we were getting paid to do this, it would be easier but yeah uh, you know we all, a lot of us have other obligation including jobs to do it and even watching a movie uh i mean a movie is like the easiest thing to do you know, compared to reading or watching a tv show but there are a lot of things we wanted to do but we, we kept like putting them off because it was like oh we gotta read like two books or something so when we do it this way we're not gonna release an episode every week necessarily uh i think I want to start off with maybe like two a month. We haven't quite decided how it's going to look like. But if we do that, um, it'll be like every two weeks we can, you know, gather our attention and focus on getting through a book or uh, a few movies even or, uh, you know, a season or two of a TV show. And I think that's going to really let us stick to what we originally wanted Unverified Accounts to be. Um. So i Philip, why don't you tell us like what some ideas we have uh, in the pipeline, because now that we have the luxury of time, plus the other plan A people can uh, more regularly join us. Uh, so we've got a lot of ideas cooking up. Uh, what are some that excite you the most?
1: Yeah, so we we want to do stuff, uh, more stuff with guests. I mean, I guess we could have done this without necessarily merging, but now it gives us more impetus to do it. So, you know, Jess, who was on the last episode, um you know, is a big fan of books and movies and all that stuff too. So she's going to be hopefully coming on to do an Amy Tan review with us uh, soon, uh, possibly rereading uh, Joy Luck Club. I think I still have your copy, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you do. I'm-
0: That's why I had to get another one from the library. I put on hold on The Kitchen God's Wife, which is her second most popular book, I believe. Yeah, yeah. And I'll finally get around to reading that. That would be, I think, very interesting because Amy Tan has become. I think much more discussed than read, especially for younger people. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, let's let's actually look at what she wrote and see which criticisms are f- legit and not. I yeah. think I'm really really looking forward to that.
1: And we should watch the movie too because I, I I understand a lot of the criticism came from the, the movie. Yeah, that too.
0: Yeah, uh, the movie. Uh, a lot of criticism comes from yeah. the movie as well. No one's. I don't know how many people have actually read the book, yeah. or, or books.
1: And, and that one's somewhat topical as well because I think that Amy Tan has a uh, like. A biopic or something? Not not a biopic, but like a retrospective yeah, or it's, I
0: think it's a documentary on PBS. That's right. We Come may and... or may not watch that. I don't know how interesting that'll be, but it's like it's relevant. And plus it's May, uh A Pam, APAM or whatever how you yeah. say it. Yeah.
1: Um we've also got White Tiger coming up uh with our, our uh esteemed guest Arnov, who actually doesn't like it. I think he I think no, he, he, l- the book, he likes but he, he loves the book, he doesn't like the, the movie, movie. Right.
0: Liza, you said you loved both. I like um, both, yeah.
1: Yeah, we still. I get are where
2: not... he's coming from, though, because okay. like, whenever a Phil M writes an like a young adult novel or something, nine times out of ten, I hate it. <laughs> While everybody else is like, "What's the problem with it?" You know?
0: Uh, yeah, it's it the the more knowledgeable you are, something about something, uh, uh I think it comes off as very basic to mm-hmm. you, but to others, it'd be, "Oh my god, I didn't know this." Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. but. Arnold insists we watch uh Gangs of Wasipur which mm-hmm. is a two-parter I think totals about 6 to 7 hours so <laughs> we we have, we'll have to get through that
1: first uh before we can That's more can than do this I episode. watched
2: The Warrior the series.
1: Yeah. But he's telling us like one of the greatest, you know, movies of all time so it's it's a big yeah, deal. so
0: so we got to watch that. Yeah. Um other things uh Teen really wants to do this like quadrilogy like loosely related quadrilogy of late <laughs> 90s uh like breakdown of office life movies obviously office space but also the matrix american beauty and mm-hmm. fight club all movies That's going to be a good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I yeah. have to rewatch American Beauty cuz it's been a long time since I've seen that. Uh kind of similar with Office Space but Fight Club I recently read the book. It's very similar to the movie so it's fresh in my mind and obviously the Matrix is just it's so present in culture that even if you haven't seen it in a while, it's like it never leaves your mind. Oh, there's that book, Chaos Monkey, which is uh, making the news lately because of some Apple, Apple employee, yeah, yeah,
1: who got fired for misogynistic stuff that he wrote in the book. Um, it's an
0: autobiography, right? It,
1: I don't think it is. I think it's – I haven't read it yet, right? It's it's on the list, but I, I think it's meant to be like um, – the way I, I, I understood it from my discussion with Jess is that it sounds like he's trying to give like a tell-all for Silicon Valley, much like doing an Anthony Bourdain, like what Anthony Bourdain did for like Mm -hmm. the restaurant industry. Kitchen confidential, Um, yeah. That's right, exactly, right? Um, But I haven't read it, we'll see. Um, But yeah, recent controversy around that, Jess wants to discuss it. So we might be doing that one as well.
0: So. Mm-hmm. And then Adam wants to do the uh, Invincible. That is uh, the one with uh, Stephen Yeun and Sandra Oh. So mm-hmm. that should be interesting as well. So I watched that recently. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, a lot, a lot of things in the pipeline. Very excited to to be able to do that. So uh, so this is technically our last episode on this feed. With this episode, I wanted us to, you know, just think about the last. It's been like eight months, I think, since we've been doing this because. We started off longer in September. than that.
2: It's been longer. We started. Well, we've been talking about it
0: I thought it was September, but anyway, yeah, it's been almost a year doing this, and I've certainly learned a ton just you know talking to you guys pretty much on a daily basis, and doing this on a weekly basis, and it was a great gave great emphasis to to especially read a lot of things that I may have been slower on taking up you know because we had we had a we it was basically like homework every week uh so i i want to get, uh, get your thoughts on you know things that you learned and have you know felt along the way
2: i learned that um dennis oh we'll yeah,
0: no say his name Liza. all
2: right dennis villeneuve not bad not bad it? no that's, that's better,
0: really, the, better yeah. than the, whatever you said the first time <laughs>
2: yes via
0: yeah, yeah,
1: that's right. That's right. Yeah.
0: I think yeah. technically the S in Dennis is silent, right? That's oh right. God. Denis, Denis. Here we go
2: again. <laughs> but you
0: got I think his last name, you, you more or less got it, I think. Um,
2: I learned that he's not Spanish and um, that I was pronouncing <laughs> his name completely wrong all along because I was pronouncing it like he's Filipino or something.
0: Had yeah, you but- said that aloud to other people?
2: No, I don't, I always read his name.
0: Okay, okay. Because, yeah, I mean, it, it's one thing to think a name wrongly, but I, I was just wondering if, if you've been going around uh, telling people, I love the films of Delis, Dennis... And they wonder who v- I'm talking v- to. No <laughs> yeah. They're like, oh, okay. Um, who's that? Who's a up-and-coming indie filmmaker uh, <laughs> from the Philippines? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, definitely a valuable lesson. Uh, he, uh, I, I don't know if Dune is going to be any good, but he certainly... Want to watch the, it anyway? You know, I think one of the one of the great directors watched everything, everything right else. Everything
2: that premiered.
0: Yeah, anything else? Uh, I mean, obviously, we've learned. Uh, there, we have lots of other thoughts and feelings. Um, any, anything else people want to share? Get the ball rolling.
1: And I've always been. i always brought up this idea that, like, we It feels like on this pod, we've been trying to like reach some kind of like central thesis or thesi right, around culture, cultural critique, media, and so on. Like, one thing that when i asked this in our chat chris you brought up was that like the central thing around at least the asian american part is that asian american art is too wussy (laughs) yeah and culture is too wussy too like the culture Mm -hmm. that produces the art Mm -hmm. um and so you want to see some way to push past that. that yeah that's been certainly true
0: yeah and i think the by wussy i mean that it is so preoccupied with themes of being accepted by others and right. by others i mean non-asians being respected uh being seen and i think it is epitomized in just how uh, until perhaps very recently just how averse we were to martial arts and liza i heard oh we should mention liza was Don't recently on we. the self oh yeah uh they <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Liza, uh, we should mention, was recently on the Self-Evident podcast. Um, You were great on that episode. Really enjoyed listening to you. And you mentioned a great point about Lucy Liu pushing back against this idea that her character in Kill Bill was somehow a negative influence on Asian Americans. So for those of... I've actually never watched Kill Bill. Another thing, Liza, you'll kill me for. But for people who might not know, uh, could you explain what Lucy lose character in kill bill it's like and why that op-ed criticized her
2: she's one of the assassins that kills um uma thurman's character the bride she is also uh when she leaves the assassin's crew she goes on to become um the only woman yakuza leader mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it causes a big problem there and she just uh she establishes her her place In the hierarchy and in that organized crime world in Japan and um, you know she's definitely a formidable woman and when when Uma Thurman's character the bride goes after her for revenge it's probably the highlight of Kill Bill One.
0: Yeah so anyway what was the article so mad about with respect to Lucy Liu's character?
2: Right, so they were basically saying that Oren Ishii contributed to the hypersexualization of Asian women because of because Oren Ishii is a dragon lady, and Lucy Liu rightfully wrote, you know, she she pushed back by writing her own op-ed and she said, why is Oren Ishii being singled out for being a dragon lady, and. When all the other women in Kill Bill One and Two are portrayed the same way, they're all portrayed as like sex, uh, sexy, stealthy. They're like femme fatales. Um, they are they're fighters. They're violent, mm-hmm. and they're they're cunning. They're they're black-hearted.
0: Yeah, and and you made a great point on that podcast where you said, uh, "What's her character name?" Oren Ishii.
2: Oren Ishii.
0: Yeah, Oren Ishii is she. Is cold and smart, and is uh, is very sexy, but is able to use that to, uh, you know rise to power and get what she wants like that's great I'm and, like, and
2: fights traditional <laughs> forms of masculinity and yeah i, I thought yeah, that was like, great i was like what's wrong, with that? <laughs>
0: what's wrong with that that's someone cool that should be someone we should uh emulate and i think that it and you know uh obviously there's like, criticisms whenever uh, there's a male uh martial artist as well like oh you know he's just this mystical warrior monk and whatever also heart,
2: awesome
0: yeah at the heart yeah like people do you know how much love um uh, Toshiro Mufune gets online. You know that's like mm-hmm. people like people like that.
2: We, we don't say anything about the kinds of characters that like Clint Eastwood or John Wayne played. We're perfectly fine with them.
0: Yeah, and, and I think the heart of this complaint is they're they're too Asian. Uh, what they what these people really want is like a like a like a basic white character, like a basic white girl or basic white boy with an Asian face and a few twists of Asianness. They might. And this
2: is why Moxie has such high reviews.
0: Uh, so yeah, so I, that's what these people really want because, yeah, if you if you take some of those uh, traits like I uh, don't I don't know, know being being beautiful and being able to use that to to you know one's advantage, but take it out of the context of martial arts, they'd probably be, be more okay with it. Uh, but it's the whole contextualizing in the Asian setting that they're very uncomfortable with because their dream is again what I call this kind of wussy uh, Asian American cultural ideal where it's all about being accepted and being uh, made part of the american cultural tapestry uh on one hand as seamlessly as possible but then not so seamless that you lose your your like marketing advantage as as the as the diverse um person who is uh in some ways, more interesting than than the standard white person, but not like too interesting. Let, let's not get too exotic here, because then that makes us feel too un-American. Yeah, you know, you know, yeah, you kind of know what I'm talking about, right? So that that's something that I've just gotten very tired of, and and through doing this podcast, uh, you know, through talking with you guys and talking on the pod, just really articulating what I I want to see, and what I want to see is more just like something. What can come out of Asian American culture if we uh, if we just unmoor ourselves from that? Need and I think it'll start resembling more of things that come out of Asia because uh, in Asia, obviously, they have all other restrictions and their own like complexes about various things. But one thing they don't have to deal with is this, you know, desire for like white acceptance. And I think previously, Asian Americans uh, pretended or or sincerely believed that that was something that made our cultural expression more. Uh, I don't know, genuine or harder edge, because like, we got to put up with racism while well, they don't. But actually, it's the opposite. I think it's as as you said, Liza, on that part. It it causes us to be developmentally stunted, constantly in this like YA mindset where our, our biggest issue is uh, th- those mean girls or boys in eighth grade. Or it's the not fa- even YA.
2: It's almost like a like a um, like Middle a Sesame Street. <laughs> you yeah. know. Like we're or, all the way, like learning phonics kind of mindset. Yeah, or
0: <laughs> I, I never could aspire to be prom queen or king, you know, that kind of <laughs> shit. Meanwhile, people I- in Asia, they're, they're having these very, um you know, wha- like very complex or very advanced movies that discuss, I don't know, spirituality or, or class or also, you know, race and ethnicity and all that. But, you know, not not stuck in that juvenile mindset.
1: See, my, my problem with this isn't even the, the level of whatever discourse, complexity, whatever that, that the art is stuck at, like, sure. Okay. You want, you want to have this, you know, representation of you, you know, to, to hash out issues you had in high school whatever. My issue is that we've had, we've had plenty of that, right. We've seen plenty of that. Like the last few years of like trying to push more, rep has resulted in tons of fucking movies and tv shows and stuff like to all the boys and never it ever and so too. on you, you can dislike the books that's fine right like i'm you know i'm not necessarily a fan of all of them either but i'm what i'm saying is that we've done that and now it's become a trope
2: mm-hmm. right
1: and so my question isn't about like whether it's good or not it's a question of like can we just stop doing this trope and move on to the next level right yeah. or let's
2: start making fun of the trope
1: Or yeah or, or treat it as a trope and start to to pair you know satirize it right and and develop something new from that but these movies aren't that new in the sense that they're they're going over the same kind of themes all the time right that's mm. why asian american bingo <laughs> or film bingo became a thing right because of these tropes that are very obvious to people but we still want it and and the market's still asking for it to some extent because they're still being you know greenlit and stuff um so how do we get past that i think that's the the next stage
0: yeah. I mean, one of my favorite episodes that we did was the one called Generation Wuss, in which we read White by Brad Easton Ellis. That is and- my
2: favorite. That's my pick.
0: Mm-hmm. And... I mean, nothing I read in that book taught me something that I didn't already feel. Mm -hmm. No, I just uh, love the fact that someone had the
2: balls to say it.
0: But yeah, seeing it articulated really helps you solidify it. And he's right in that the reason why art in general, like pop culture right now in general sucks, not just Asian American. Because this is like a a more widespread phenomenon is that Mm -hmm. it's way too obsessed with moralizing and uh, protecting self-esteem. And I think that's perfectly encapsulated. And
2: lots of perfectly good movies get trashed. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I'll get to that later because I I, w- I recently watched the movie this week and checked out. It's um, Rotten Tomatoes rating and it has like a 24% oh, wh- rating what is on this? Rotten Tomatoes. It's Woman in the Window.
0: Okay, I don't know what that is. Oh, it's the can new you tell Netflix
2: a- movie with um, Amy Adams, uh, Gary Oldman, Julianne Moore. Oh, great uh, cast. I don't remember his name, but he's from Ingrid Goes West. He's Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn's son. Uh, he plays the husband that sells those crappy oh, paintings. Uh, and, oh, the uh, guy who
1: plays the terrible jock Steve or whoever, right?
2: <laughs> no, no, no. That's the brother.
1: Oh, okay. Uh, the yeah, husband.
0: That, yeah, well, uh, the I sensitive I, one. It, yeah, that that, that goes really good in in Greek Girls West. But uh, yeah, anyway, yeah.
2: Um and uh Anthony Mackie too.
0: Oh yeah, but why do critics not like this
2: movie? I, I sus after watching the movie, I suspect they did they don't like it because all the black people are kind of um just side characters or in the case of Amy Adams family, this is like a major spoiler. So if you're going to read the book or um, watch the movie, this is like a major spoiler right here, but Anthony Mackie and her black daughter are dead the whole time. Okay. She's been, she's, she, she's crazy. She, she can't accept that they've, they've died and she can't move on.
1: Okay. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
2: And so I think that, I think that critics are doing like this whole, like, I don't know, their own version of like representation matters where they're just like, well, why, why is it that like the two main black people in the movie are, they turn out to be dead the whole time? Yeah. While the white lady survives, you know, and she yeah. turns out to be like the hero of the movie. Um, in the book, and everybody is raceless, which means they're white. Mm-hmm. It probably would have been easier to just keep it that way. But I think part of the problem is that they had to make somebody in the movie black because exactly. of that new diversity rider that like everyone's been pushing yeah like you have to work with people a certain number of people of color in the movie and it's like well, where are you supposed to put them in a movie like this that's pretty much all white
1: you yeah. could you could have made them a protagonist who doesn't end up being dead well see that
2: okay that, you could have made them the point. neighbors yeah you could have made is them the point the you made about thing. this is the
1: point you made about invincible right Chris, like, why if you want to make the mom Asian to make it more diverse, why not just make the dad Asian too, or or why not the dad in that case? Like, well, oh, I was- well,
0: that that's another thing. L- let's get to, but uh, see, that's what I'm saying. Like, if you see this, the problem but I it's have a with forced this-
2: diversity, where it's like it would have been a lot easier to just I don't know make everything just one race because like the movie is not about race anyway. So either just do it all black or just do it all white or something, you know?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and are gonna get I talk all about-, about it. When I talk about this, like, wussiness, that's what I'm talking about, where you want diversity, but only if it makes you look good. If you get to be the hero and you get to be perfect or or you, there's this whole um, like Mary Sue trope where uh, this is they kind of make fun of fan fiction writers who will, like insert themselves into like Star Wars or Harry <laughs> Potter or something. And then uh, there'll be this uh, most fan fiction writers are women. Uh, and then there'll it's be this new girl. Porn too. Oh, what?
2: I said it's always porn, too porn yeah like slash yes. fan
1: fiction
0: oh yeah 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 um <laughs> but um uh you know uh, there'll be this mysterious new character in in uh that shows up at hogwarts and she's beautiful <laughs> and smart <laughs> uh makes hermione look like a, a moron uh makes uh harry look <laughs> like a coward uh but she has one flaw and uh she's clumsy She's oops, always, always dropping her wand or slipping on the stairs. And that's because, you know, people make fun of that because it's like, well, we got to come up with one flaw. That's not really a flaw. in Something fact, that
2: it, makes her endearing.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's not like oh, she's um, she's mean or she's uh, selfish, you know, like a real flaw that actually makes you interesting. And that's the problem <laughs> I have with this diversity thing is that, yeah, we're like, oh, yeah, we need Asian or black or Latino characters. But uh, they also can't be bad. They can't be villains.
2: They can't be side characters. They can't. They can't be minor characters.
0: Well, I'm okay with them being mi- minor characters. No, but I'm it, saying it,
2: that they have a problem if they're minor characters.
0: Right. So basically, uh, what you're
2: saying is you, they have to be the lead, and they have to be only portrayed in a positive light every single time. Yeah. And that's and- it.
0: Yeah, and we talk about this a lot. Where uh, we want to see more just fucked up Asian American characters, like genuinely messed up, uh, complicated. Yeah,
2: give us some sympathetic dirt bags.
0: Exactly, but you know, uh, we like we're still at this stage. I think where all minorities have to be uh, like, adorable or something like that. Adorkable. Um, I, yeah, and and I th- I think there are a few exceptions where they are bravely pushing that boundary, but I I think either. I think the excuse that these minority creators will say is that um, you know, we don't have the luxury of portraying bad uh, versions of ourselves because yes, you know, st- stereotypes and stuff. I think that's more of an excuse. I think the real reason is they they're kind of shallow and they just want to feel like uh, like the heroes. Well, they're uh, shallow
2: I, and extremely insecure.
0: Yeah, I think it's wish fulfillment on their part. So and they're afraid of really being honest. These are
2: children's shows. I mean, that's what they don't seem to understand.
0: Yeah, a lot of them are essentially children's shows. That stuff matters
2: for like the under seven crowd, you know?
0: Yeah, they're essentially children's shows uh, masquerading as adult shows. That's my main problem with uh, like Asian American culture in general. It's very juvenile. It's very stunted. And uh, I think it's preventing us from from being, uh, you know, reaching a a more higher level of just our creative self-expression.
1: I also think that idea of like only good, diverse characters is extremely patronizing to the audience. The, di- the diverse audience too, right? Because it's saying like, oh, you you don't you don't have the you know the wherewithal to like understand the complexities of a like maybe initially evil but redeemed character or some other more interesting arc than just like the good sidekick, yeah. right? I mean,
0: here's an ex- extreme example: like um, any movie or book about Chosen Hui, the the Virginia Tech shooter, will be infinitely more interesting than yet another movie about, let's say, an Asian American. Uh, grad student who has to go <laughs> to his white uh boyfriend or girlfriend's and he uh, teaches Christmas everyone dinner. that like it's and he's it's all a about, person too yeah it's all about yeah. microaggressions and uh you know enough of that shit um not that that doesn't have its place but it's like why is that so dominant why is that the only thing we ever get i'd rather uh see something about a total lunatic like Cho than. Then you know another one of
1: these. Yeah, that's that's exactly what I mean. Like it's been it's it's fine that you have it, but it's been done like a dozen times. Let's move on.
0: Yeah, or do your thing, but but don't mind us if we come crashing the party. And I think that's the thing that we need to really make change. We can't just keep pleading for these people to to do stuff for us because they're set in their ways. I think, especially if you're kind of like a certain age, you're, you're already baked into your ways and they don't really owe us anything to change what they know so we got to just do it ourselves and i would really like if we were able to galvanize some kind of new asian american like cultural movement i was like okay enough with this like assimilation as garbage um let's let's do our own thing that is way kind of scarier way more exciting way more interesting
1: yeah i think the issue though isn't it- I don't know if you're implying this. The issue isn't that the Vanguard or whatever, the, the, f- the people who have access to, you know, putting out screenplays and putting out novels and stuff, it's not that they're trying to prevent this or taking up room or anything, too much room or anything like that. It's just that, like, no one seems to have the idea that you could do something more complicated and more maybe dangerous, right? Like, it feels like there just isn't, like, we haven't built that vocabulary yet as as artists i think and so it's not coming out
0: i think it all resides within us i mean some might be more aware of it on a conscious level but i think i think there's this like because like a lot of uh asian americans don't really connect with the stuff that is presented as like asian american culture like
1: everyone really in a while. everyone's every, are you sure because every time it comes out it's like oh okay yeah hashtag golden open like hashtag you know representation matters there's a ton of Activity, at least on social media about it so what, what do you mean they don't connect with it they do and that's and that's a problem the problem is that they they're like they're addicted to it we're addicted to these stories right we don't have room for imagination beyond these stories
0: i'm thinking more of like in literary uh circles um but no i no, you have a point in that in the in the recent years uh a few movies have been able to to break through but with even with those I think it's just like complete lack of choice like there, there's really no other option but to identify with with one of those few things that come out and as I said I think a lot of people have this dissatisfaction knowing that hey you know what what why why is this the only thing around or whatever and I th- I think it'll just take a few examples to show what is possible
1: yeah on that I mean on that note what do you think like Parasite fits in there, right? Because I know Parasite's not Asian American, but did it capture people's, like in the West, people's imagination because there were Asian faces and yet the story was so not like what you'd see from a, you know, like a uh, crazy rich Asians?
2: I feel like it did, but for some reason they just can't make the connection. Yeah. But there's a reason why they <clears throat> connect with it so much.
0: Mm-hmm. I think they're I, I think for asian americans it, it might as well have been an asian american movie there was no i think like you know people were celebrating uh its victory at the oscars as if it was like vindication for us but i, I think that's the yeah. problem you got to recognize why why was that movie able to make such a breakthrough because it wasn't mired in the type of as i said juvenile level yeah uh, insecurity yeah and when, yeah, when it wasn't that, even in I, english yeah yeah true yeah and when i say juvenile I, i'm not trying to discredit the type of very you know, like, like you know that kind of freudian childhood issue i think those are legit my main problem is they're so they're not thoroughly explored when they are the main topic of like an asian-american narrative like I, I've, I've been reading a lot more like asian-american uh novels like contemporary ones lately and you know they, they just kind of there's this thing called lampshading uh it's a it's a common trope used in like movies and shows where you kind of don't want to address an elephant in the room like for example like a plot hole like like let's let's take uh an example look in the last jedi you know the whole like hyperdrive blowing up the 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 mega um star destroyer thing that that's kind of like ruins a lot of um like past storylines with star wars right like well why don't they just shoot a bunch of X wings into the Death Star, that kind of thing. So let's say you're lampshading; it means that one of the characters will bring it up, like, "Oh, why don't we do this before?" And then um, <laughs> one of the characters will will kind of be like, "Oh, there's no time to explain," or or like, or it, they they try to get ahead of of the criticism by just like mentioning it, but then they don't actually
1: explain the, the thing okay this is like checking it off on the list kind of thing yeah
0: so they're kind of because and i see that a lot with with a lot of like asian american literature where there'll be issues of you know say like internalized racism or things like that um so they'll mention it but they will not really go deeper into it so is this
1: like the long duck dong like uh uh 16 candles scene in to all the boys where they like kind yeah, exactly. like show yeah, some the, wokeness no, by example. dropping dropping no, a, that like scene right like oh yeah, that's look the, this racist thing we're not going to address it in this movie but here it is
0: no that's the perfect example there something like that I mean that that wasn't that's a that's in the movie but yeah that's a perfect example of it where they'll be like hey we're we're conscious and woke now we recognize this as racism but you don't actually go deeper into that and actually the, the rest of your story seems to corroborate the the basic message of that racist idea or or theme so. Um, I don't have a problem with these types of issues being the basis of a story. I think they are legit. I just hate how shallowly they are uh, explored. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I think, uh, Philip, you said, oh, let's scrap these all together. I would say more like, let's get to the next level then. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Next level to me is like what they would consider regression.
0: Like, like well, what do you mean?
2: Oh, like I would say, like next level for me would be like just bring back the martial arts movie, bring back the Dragon Lady movies, bring back like Asian couples, bring back shitty characters, less diversity, more accents, and less sad stories.
0: Yeah, see, that's the thing though. Like you say, that's regressive. But uh, except no, for the to martial, that arts... would be a regressive. Well, uh, right, me, I know, I'm just I know. Like,
2: that this is what I want.
0: I know, but uh, okay. Let, let's say that is regressive, but then that if implies the,
2: future is the Asian century, that I want to see what's going on in Asia.
0: Right right. Uh but bear with me here. Like when we say that's regressive, that implies that there was ever a period in Asian American culture where that was dominant and besides like I would maybe say that martial there was, arts.
2: Yeah, I would say that there was like Saturday mornings all those kung fu theater.
0: Yeah, but except movies. for martial arts, none of that other stuff like when have we ever had like uh complex uh Tony Soprano like Asian American characters? Never. I mean, we you have the completely flat villains like a Fu Manchu, but for that's a not second.
2: But um, that doesn't count. Yeah. Probably well, anyway, not.
0: while you're thinking, when have we ha- ever had a, a predominance of like Asian couples, or at least like interracial couples in which white people are not involved? We've never had that. So you know these like fast people, and the furious. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Um. Uh. But you haven't
2: seen.
0: Well, I've seen some of them, but these people they they assume. They assume that their way is so groundbreaking and radical when it's been the status quo for so long and what they consider to be aggressive would be uh, something actually very new in Asian America. So I think that's another mindset that people have to break out of that. Why are we listening to people? Why are we letting them present themselves as the vanguard of of any movement when they've been mired in in the same stodgy, uh, institutionalized... um, uh, morass for the past couple of decades at least
1: yeah i kind of wonder this is i don't know this is related to what you're saying but i kind of wonder if um this is more about the the thing that lies with with martial arts films if if shang chi becomes a success in part because they like lean more into the martial arts and people enjoy that type of action in the marvel universe isn't that going to piss off a lot of people (laughs) so what
0: um I don't think I it's
1: bad no, it's a bad thing I'm just saying like people are going to be like oh shit like maybe we are like destined for really great martial arts films even in Asian American films like Shang-Chi.
0: I think people are coming around to that because hey if that's your way to get a Marvel franchise I think people are more especially since Shang-Chi is I'm going to guess very Asian American mm-hmm. um he's not like a foreigner uh, he is essentially a, a second generation Asian American guy uh, who d- happens to do martial arts? I think that they're going to be a bit more okay. These are the same people who are compl- now complaining that there aren't enough Asian people in Cobra Kai. I, I think once you, <laughs> once you like Westernize the the martial arts genre in which the protagonist is like an American-born Asian-American type, I think now they might be okay with it.
2: I'm not gonna lie. I'm gonna be very irritated if Shang Chi is what it- the catalyst to like a new martial arts like renaissance. It will irritate me so much.
0: <laughs> I guess we can. He's
2: not warrior. a martial artist, and
1: yeah, I I'm
2: like seething over here. Just thinking about it.
1: Yeah, I mean, Samuel is going to be lifted mostly by camera angles and stuff, right? But I think that, like, if that movie does well, that movie is interesting because you know we've always thought about one sh- one one shortcut to saying when will Asian American media get get its time in the spotlight is saying. When we when are we going to get our own Avengers movie? And this is it, like this is the one, right? Not that everyone necessarily cares about the superhero kind of movie genre, but it's a it's a big thing because it's a big blockbuster. So once that happens, does that kind of like you know draw a line in the sand where we're saying, okay, we we did it, we 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 got to your fucking representation goal, we checked that box, can we move on now? A
2: blockbuster.
1: No, not no. It's, no, not really, right? It's an art film. I think a lot of people did see it, but I don't think it's like, it's not a Marvel movie. It's not seen in that light.
0: Yeah, but I mean, Crazy Rich Asians already was a blockbuster. I mean, it made several times over its budget and everything. So I think we've already gotten to the point where we have seen what really big mainstream representation can accomplish and what it cannot. I think what Shang-Chi... Is going to be the first of is that it's one of these events that will be uh, highlighting an Asian American guy, especially like a, like an American Americanized Asian American guy in one of these big Asian American media things. Because like Parasite was about Koreans, Crazy Rich Asians was really about uh, either an Asian American woman or foreign Asians. So that is going to be its its first, which I think is also going to be why. It's gonna be more open to. It's gonna be more acceptable to attack, uh, Shang Chi than than other. I want to see some
2: movies where people explore how like Asian America kind of just like the that that ship will never sail. You know. Well, which ship? Well, you know, a lot of our a lot of our families, you know, they all came here at a certain point when the country was just a lot wider, and then we all felt like all like you know collectively we just all felt like so insecure about everything whatever. And then now it's like everybody's eyes are looking towards Asian countries. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they, they now have like a superiority complex over Asian Americans where they look down on us. And it's like, we kind of, we kind of always were on the outside and we're never, we're never the admired ones. The eyes are never on us. I I do think that like that should be explored. It's like Asian Americans are probably never, ever going to have their moment.
1: Because uh, because we we kind of like the, the general um, zeitgeist has leapfrogged us to Asian Asians and not...
2: leapfrog. That's a yeah. really good way to say it. Yeah,
1: it's like
0: we're the the medium spicy curry. It's like people you don't want the really <laughs> spicy or the mild. We're kind of in this in between place, and I think that we're always also, going that's, to be there, and it's thing.
2: probably going to it's probably going to like be exacerbated in the future.
0: And my whole point is that if that is the case. That gives you a unique set of experiences. That being the the medium spice level is its own. It, it come with comes with its own like properties and and values and stuff like that. So I'm I'm saying let's really mind that the leapfrog
2: let's, generation,
0: right? And let's not let's not try to pretend to be something we're not. Let's not be afraid to really, as I said, explore our own stuff. And I, I think that's the only real way where you might have any chance of getting to, to escaping from that overlooked leapfrogged um, identity because otherwise a, you're just chasing uh, something that you'll never accomplish in which you will never, you'll never be as Asian as the Asians and you'll never be as, as white or black uh, as, as, the, as white or black people. <laughs> the
2: real Americans. <laughs> yeah. Wh-
0: whatever you want to call them. And I, I think Asian Americans have long thought, Oh, it's our desperation. It's our neediness. That is our most uh, salient and marketable trait, and m- I think sadly maybe it was for a while. But it's like no, there's plenty of other things that we can do. So let's let's get off of that. Uh, let's stop making that so dominant, uh, because I think I think it just tends to, as I said, it it like wussifies your culture. Uh, there's no other better way to say it.
2: Yeah, no one no one likes desperation.
0: Yeah. Um, another thing I think we can talk about is, uh, especially you and me, Liza, we are also, we're not just, uh, we promise you, we're not just armchair critics. We are trying to do our own thing too. Liza, you've been working on a screenplay. I have mm -hmm. been working on a, on a novel for a while. And, uh, Liza, like has, like doing this podcast, like doing this, like how's that helped you in your writing?
2: Yeah, it definitely helps me avoid all the things that we don't like, you know? (laughs) And I just lean straight into, um, When I think of art and I think about like the kinds of Asian American art that's being made today. And I think about like, everyone is like in such a hurry to hire like a sensitivity reader or, you know, they, they want to like consult with like, I don't know, um, the most authentic version of the character that they're writing. I just won't do it. Um, I'm going to write whatever I want to write. And, uh, I do want it to be a bit contrary, and I do want it to be subversive. I do want it to make people angry because that's, I do want to push people's buttons. I want them to make about, think about stuff that they, from angles that they probably would not normally approach them from. And I think that hiring these kinds of like, like sensitivity readers and like searching for authenticity actually makes it less authentic. You know, I hate that word, but let's go ahead and use it.
0: Yeah. I think it's because, I mean, authenticity is always relative. And when you're trying to crowdsource it and try to, uh, you know, get the average of, you know, the five people you consult, you and it's not even your own personal expertise involved, you just get this uh, kind of like mass-manufactured authenticity. It is it is kind of an oxymoron, but I think that's what you, you end up with, right?
2: Yeah, I, I don't want it to feel like it's committee written. Mm-hmm. It's mine.
0: Right. So... W- um, actually I can edit this out uh, Eliza, if you don't want but do you mind sharing just like what's, what's the general premise of your yeah, thing yeah sure I can do that okay
2: uh, the screenplay that I've been working on for the past few months takes place in the early 70s in the Philippines and it's about um, it's about the lead up to Ferdinand Marcos declaring martial law on the Philippines that's, that's all I'm going to say for now um, I've got uh, I've got a good chunk written and I'm pretty excited about it. This is, it's a project that I'm pretty proud of.
0: Yeah, as, as you should be. It's like, a lot of people just talk about writing, they, they call themselves writers, but they always, uh, you know, always find an excuse not to do it. Um, so, you know, just, just being able to just hammer something out takes a lot of guts and will, and, you know, I, it's definitely something to, to be commended.
2: I don't want to give away too much because I'm afraid that somebody listening to this will take the same idea and do a better job than me. So uh-huh. I don't want that to happen. It's kind of
1: an interesting approach because it's an Asian American writing about Asian history.
2: I am going to get heat for it, and that's fine with me.
1: Oh, okay. that's all right. I mean. Culturally
0: I... appropriating Filipino history, <laughs> Liza, how dare you?
1: Someone
2: yeah. will say it. You know they will.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. I just I'm just wondering how often that happens, right? You know, how often do people, even Asian Americans, have enough fascination with our history to write, you know, historical fiction or whatever you know genre you think it is. Uh, you know,
0: a lot of them uh, try to, I think, attach themselves to that through immigrant stories. You know, by writing yeah. about yeah. our parents.
2: This is definitely not an immigrant story. Right?
0: Exactly. Yeah. Which I, you know, I, I like. I, I think it's very respectful. It's, a, it's admirable. I think when you try to tell what your parents went through and stuff but i also think it's a, it's a kind of a cop-out for a lot of asian americans who are uncomfortable with writing about ourselves either because they think no one cares or because it's going to perhaps make them look inwards a bit too much so instead it's always you know set in like the 50s or 60s in in asia and it's like um, is that really our area of expertise, really? I mean, who even knows how accurately they're portraying like 1960s China or Hong Kong or, or Korea? So it's like, why, why can't you just um, make it about yourselves, but in a way that doesn't suck? Because, uh, you know, some people, plenty of people are writing about themselves, but I, I think I think it sucks. That's the problem. Just, just uns- <laughs> unsuck it. That's, that's my only request.
2: <laughs> I'm always in shock at how many people get memoirs
0: that is yeah that's pretty ridiculous i'm like um, i've
2: never heard of you how do you have a memoir now aren't you like 30
0: yeah there should be a rule that says you gotta be at least like
2: you have to be at least 60. 70 or something yeah
0: and uh you have to have at least died, almost died uh two times before you can write a <laughs> memoir yeah, or you have i have to have bed. heard of you uh you have to have a certain like q rating uh or like name recognition um but yeah, a lot of like 20-somethings getting memoirs. Ugh. It's just like, what the hell is going on? I I wonder why they don't just write fiction because a lot of fiction is basically a memoir anyway. I
2: feel like the whole memoir industry thing is like the reason why there's so much so, like social currency and trauma.
0: No, exactly. Because those That's are exactly always why. the people
2: that get a memoir written. I'm like, oh, I don't want to read this.
0: No, this is perfectly parodied in Girls where uh, Hannah, the protagonist played by Lena Dunham, has this... Uh, girl she hates from from her writing for a college from college and she writes a memoir and they're like all in their mid 20s she writes a memoir because <laughs> her boyfriend committed suicide and then her friend consoles her saying like "Um, you know I wish you had a boyfriend who cared enough about you to commit suicide no. <laughs> so she could write a book about it
2: Shoshana had to have been the one to say that
0: no it was Jessa okay oh Liza you watched that show
2: I watched the first season
0: uh, okay I guess you didn't like it but you knew enough to, to actually know what the characters might say.
2: I just couldn't take any more of Lena Dunham. So Mm -hmm. I stopped watching it.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. uh, As to my writing, as I said, I've I've been working on a novel for a a while. I'm in the process of querying it right now. uh, And a a few agents have asked for the full manuscripts. I'm I'm waiting on that now. But it's been an interesting process because that's something I started, like the, the genesis of that story began over a decade ago. So it's changed a lot, uh, especially last year during COVID when I did a, a huge uh, rewrite of it. Because, But but because the, as I said, the, the kernel of the story uh, is basically my the, my young 20s self, there is some elements of it that uh, share in common with the type of Asian American writing I hate. And um, in my rewrites, I've tried to, uh, you know, f- change that as much as possible. But through doing this podcast, I've, it, because I've been working on this one project for so long, I had been at at a certain period thinking, "Am I so ups- why can't I come up with with an- why can't I let this go? Why can't I start something new?" And in in the last few months, I have gotten this new idea. Uh, I've written about a third of it now, and it was all powered by this belief that you know why is Asian American culture just so so limp, so weak, so so desperate? Why why can't it be more psychotic? Which is a lot a lot a lot of my favorite books they involve characters that are not not good they are they are immoral not just amoral they're immoral so it's like you know we don't really see a lot of that in asian american literature and you when and they I pick...
2: end up reading a lot of the same books too when exactly, it comes to yeah.
0: fiction <laughs> exactly. i think that we're
2: drawn to the same sociopaths
0: right and i have written i have read some asian american books that have tried to do that and they come up limp I, i'm talking about something like white ivy which i read last year which didn't do it philip you and i did uh a whole episode on private citizens i still mm-hmm. think that's the high watermark of this type of asian american writing that i want to see more of yeah what uh, about
2: white tiger that guy
0: um but i think that's different because first of all well he's not or is like that just more of a revenge asian. story uh but yeah something like like an a asian asian american white tiger because i think we it's something i think we've learned about parasite and you know americans uh a love for um not bong Juno but the other guy what, what's it? the guy who directed um old boy i'm totally blanking on his name uh pak something but anyway i americans, know who you're talking about yeah yeah americans love uh, Asian psychos in Asia, <laughs> but they cannot handle them in Asian America. In Asian America, we gotta we gotta be you know f- uh, forever forlorn, uh, forever reflective, forever sad. But in Asia, we can we can be uh complete sociopaths. So I want to see a convergence of that. Uh, well, not really convergence. It's more like Asian American mindset moving more towards that Asian mindset. So yeah, that's what I want to see because we it's clear that. You know, you cannot make the argument that Asians are somehow culturally or even genetically predisposed to be nice. We know that's not a fact. Uh, just, just <laughs> you know, like, let's be real. So why is it that Asian Americans are so culturally prevented from expressing that side of ourselves? That's, that's what I want to be a part of in, in advancing, I think, is the next stage because of Asian American culture. A,
2: because like Asian Americans see everything through like a, like a Sesame Street lens.
0: Yeah, it's, a, it's like a...
2: There's got to be, like, a moral at the end of the story that, like, always reflects kindly on us. Yeah. Never on the other.
0: Yeah, it's always got to make us feel better about ourselves. And I get that to a certain extent, but it's like, we're fucking adults now, you know? Are we forever children needing to be coddled, have our ego soothed? Tell us that oh, it's okay, it's okay. You know,
1: you get wonder, there. I've always, it's all right. I've, I've always wondered if it's if it's uh, again like if the issue is the source of the stories, like the Asian American authors themselves, or if it's the you know not necessarily Asian gatekeepers that prevent them from being published and receive wide you know wide reception and so on. Right. Like mm-hmm. I I don't know which side it is. I, I I certainly do think one thing that I've learned from this is like it'd be great if we just wrote fewer stories that were in some part targeted towards a white audience.
0: Yeah. And I, I think that is a debate that will never get resolved. And I think, yeah. does it really matter? I, I think the the thing is you got to just keep trying to break down, scale the walls of of everywhere. Whether you're trying to change the gatekeepers themselves, whether you're trying to, you know, move past the the Asian creators themselves, trying to do your own thing. You got to do it all on all fronts because, as I said, trying to petition the status quo uh, leaders in these areas to, to see our point of view or, or do something for us is not going to work because, you know, first of all, they're not capable of doing it. Probably they have their own thing going on. And secondly, they, they probably like view others as a threat because, you know, they they want to be seen as the sole uh, vanguard of, of Asian-American culture. So it's like, no, just instead of sitting here endlessly debating, you know, chicken and eggs scenarios, Arizona, let's just go and do our thing. And right now, um, alternative means of Uh, expression and media are more powerful than ever so let's take advantage of that if necessary i'm not saying that you know traditional mainstream paths are forever closed Uh, we shall see i think in the next few years but the the opportunity is out there i think and if you are if you do feel very stifled i think now's better than ever to to try for it
1: yeah i i kind of i don't know it'd be cool if our the stuff that we discussed in here because it's a lot of like you know, cultural critique, if it gets out to the right audience that, you know, maybe writers or whatever, directors, et cetera, um, you know, who may be stuck and might hear something like this and decide, oh, I, I could be unstuck. Like there's some people who are complaining about, you know, there's at least an audience of three people <laughs> who would be lo- who would love to, <laughs> to hear my darkest story, right? Uh-huh. Um, you know, I think, but I, but I do think a lot of it is like the overall culture, right? Not just the art that comes out of it, but the overall culture is stifled. Um, You know, because if the culture is stifled, then how do you actually have individuals who come out and produce things beyond what we produced before?
0: Yeah, and but, and like you know, artistic expression is the most personal of expressions. I, we're not talking about politics here, where you do need to constantly compromise, uh, just because you do need you know votes, you need the approval of people who are not you and may have competing interests. At least, uh, unless you're you're trying to be the most mainstream success possible. I don't think a lot of uh, creators necessarily have that as their main objective. I think a lot of them are driven by uh, a kind of personal need for, you know, recognition, for for dialogue with somebody who who gets where they're coming from. And, you know, success is preferable to not being successful. But, um, you know, if you're just trying to make money, you know, you would not spend all your time writing a book or, or making a movie, you would just get, go on Wall Street or, yeah. you know, bet on crypto or which, something, which, fam- right? which
1: famously a lot of Asians do, right? They, they take the, get you know, upper middle class kind of job route, right? Um, and then the ones that do take the artistic route are the insufferable ones we talk about on this pod all the time <laughs> who don't produce anything of, of new cultural value, right? Who just yeah. kind of rehash the, they either rehash the existing tropes or they go and they take the cultural appropriation, you know, route of like, Taken down anyone who tries to do stuff with Asian culture who may not be Asian, mm-hmm. which is unfortunate.
2: And like we've we've come full circle now, where we are accusing Asians of doing it.
0: Yeah, cultural appropriation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're like uh, some Asian, uh, let's say, like a like a Chinese American, fancy uh, Asian. Right. I mean, we already started with Raya. Remember, they were complaining about the voice actors. Uh, yeah, being yeah. too East Asian. Um,
2: well, it also like- happened in the Philam community where they were like, a bunch of Philams were accusing another Philam uh, designer yeah, right, right, of yeah. culturally appropriating indigenous textiles. Mm-hmm. yeah in her but designs
1: that's what i exactly what i thought of when and i'm just when, like wait
2: w- w- what's happening here <laughs> yeah
1: when you said that you're gonna get you're gonna get caught out for writing a book about the philippines as a Filipino american that's exactly what i thought about <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. That, that's same that's what i was thinking about too i was like oh i'm next
0: yeah and then you and let's say then you write about let's say being filipino-american I wonder if there's ever going to be a time when Filipinos will like graduate from being the eternally oppressed Southeast Asians because there's like even more invisible Southeast Asians. I would say Filipinos are the most visible and celebrated of the Southeast Asians. We're the
2: ones that have our own month.
0: Yeah, yeah. So yeah. if you're like, say, Laotian, are you going to... Oh, Here's another privileged Filipina-American writing about Filipina-American stuff. You know, wh- where's, where's the Laotian-American? And it's just yeah then it'll it it, it, there will never be a point where that stops right so that's that's why it's like this is ridiculous let's just um let's just judge the quality for what it is because we've already seen so much bad stuff by uh like the people of the in group whether you're asian or black or gay Mm -hmm. or whatever uh just writing very bad bad stuff about their own group uh so it's like yeah we i mostly just care whether it's good or not
2: aesthetics yeah
0: yeah, like, like let's bring it back more to yeah. I think we're pro aesthetics. I mean, your aesthetic distance. It's <laughs> yeah. Let, let's let's you know let's pull back a bit from demoralizing the, the 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 messaging the 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 didactic. Uh, you know, need to make everything educational in a very lame way, which is what Moxie- <laughs> PSA way PSA yeah. way, which was Ep- what our previous episode, episode. Moxie was all about. Yeah. And let's just go back to valuing aesthetics more, which actually in the end will probably be much more powerful if you are looking for it to ha- you know, say something about the you know, you know, human values or experiences. It's actually going to resonate and hit home way better if it's done that way rather than being some clumsy uh, corporate PR-like uh, maneuver of, of checklisting stuff.
1: I mean, I, I think it's possible to to teach a lesson, but not come off as heavy handed, clumsy. No, that's what obviously. That's what... PSA, like, think about Parasite, right? Like that—that that was a, a class mm-hmm. analysis movie, right? But it didn't come off as that. It was just, it was just pure entertainment, uh, no, you no, know. That,
0: that's what art has been. A lot of it has been doing, whether purposely or not, uh, for a long time. Ever since, you know, until well, I'm sure. <laughs> I mean, we think of like the woke movement as something new, but every every, every time period has its uh, equivalent of of wokeness. So it,
2: I feel like every all the lasting art through the centuries is always um, a class analysis that's done in a very in a very good way, you know, in a very effective way. If you think about it, like um, like Edgar Allan Poe or like fairy tales, like Cinderella, they're all they're all class warfare. Or Charles mm-hmm. Dickens
1: sure? Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah,
2: like a Christmas Carol. It, it lasts because everyone loves a story about class warfare.
0: All right, uh, we're approaching an hour, so uh, I think this is a good time to to bring this to a close. A- any any last things you wanna you guys want to say?
2: Um, it's very like it feels. It doesn't feel like the closing of a chapter. It feels like the opening of a new chapter.
0: Yeah, like, I mean, we're basically just hopping feeds. That's all we're yeah. really doing. Yeah, it's,
2: it does. So, what this means for our audiences who are curious about what it's going to look like, it just it's just going to look like Escape from Plan A has more episodes per month.
1: Okay, all right. I th- look, I think it's good to to that this happened in the sense that it made us kind of stop and reflect for an episode about what we talk about, mm-hmm. right? Because it kind of gets lost. So you just hear the same the same themes being rehashed, but like no. Like a uh, box put around to say, like, "Hey, this is like something we want to focus on," um, you know. And yeah. I think it's kind of nice this new format where we can spend a bit more time on some episodes to, like, actually finish reading something or deep dive into something. I think for the audience members, um, you know, to join in that'd be yeah. great as I, well.
0: I think it also gives uh, kind of like permission for all of uh, us in like the the Plan A group to just you know spend entire episodes talking about a book or movie because. Uh, you know, throughout our history of the pod, I th- there's always been this. You know, like, what should we talk more about politics? Should we talk more about economics? Should we, you know, talk more about you know business things like that? And I think there's sometimes a fear that when you talk about, especially maybe something like a like a YA book, it's like, why are we doing this? Uh, but you know, but at the same time, we've also we also recognize that cultural criticism is actually very important, and it's um, you know, often. Like a well done review of a movie, it's not really just about the movie. It's often about society in general, and all the it's all linked to the things we want to talk about. But now to actually have like a banner that says, "In this episode, we are we give ourselves permission to do a deep dive of this like book or movie," Uh, I think will be will be very good. And as I said, everyone's excited. We got a whole. I think our problem is like like too many people will wanna wanna do stuff. Be <laughs> like, whoa, well, whoa, well, yeah. well, let's hold off here. Uh, yeah. But uh, so I'm very excited on on what will happen. I think that's a that's a good way for us to sign off on this feed. Um, we this will be the last episode that we released, as I said on on like this channel or whatever. So if you would like to keep listening, um, if you are not already subscribed to Escape from Plan A, please do so because our episodes will come out. From there, we'll keep. Oh, this is I think key to mention. We're keeping our name, we're keeping our our, like art, we're keeping our music. So it'll be you'll you'll it'll just be as normal. Usually, we'll even keep the numbering system in our episodes, so you you'll know the continuation. We're not taking down these old episodes either. So you know you can if you're if you have missed some uh, previous episodes, you can go listen to them. So yeah, we're just kind of like getting into uh, a new a channel now. Sweet Okay. All right. Uh, So I hope you enjoyed this episode. Just kind of a a reflection on, on, you know, the eight and ten months. I think we've been doing this. What we've learned. Liza learned to say Denny Villeneuve's name. (laughs) Our biggest accomplishment, I think. Uh, So, all right. We'll we'll catch you on the new Escape from Plan A uh, merged channel. Um, So we hope to catch you there from this time on. It's been great. doing this as kind of like our independent side project in the meantime so this is chris signing off see you everyone see ya.
2: bye